0: Chapter 27. One Year. Megan slept that night in fits and starts. She was numb from seeing Anthony until after she was in bed, and it wasn't until then that she felt any twinge of regret for sneaking away as quickly as possible. Had Anthony come back out of the room looking for her and Charlie, wanting to ask a million questions? The following day at school seemed to progress with a dense sluggishness. Megan had pondered skipping school Considering what had happened, she half wondered if Howard would actually excuse her truancy, but realized that going to class was probably the only thing that had any chance of keeping her mind off Phil. Still, she wasn't sure what to do about biology. On one hand, Anthony deserved an explanation. She hated the idea of dodging any more questions, but the idea of being honest with him seemed impossible on so many levels. First and foremost, she was terrified of what might happen if she attempt the same breach Phil had tested. Second, would Anthony even believe her? Lastly, Megan thought, it wasn't her story to tell. Phil had known and loved Anthony since he was an infant. They were the family he had lost, the ones that he had supported from behind the cosmic curtain for so long. Will he get a chance to tell them, Megan thought. The cold chill ran through her as she considered it, and she quickly put the idea out of her mind. She wouldn't let herself spend any effort on that particular thought, While there was still any hope of Phil waking up. Sitting in the cafeteria, she finished only half of her sandwich before finally deciding to confront Anthony, if for no other reason than to keep him from thinking she was avoiding him. There was part of her that was hoping he wouldn't show for some reason, but as the hour approached she realized that it would be better to face the conversation rather than postpone it another day. She tried to arrive early to class to make time to talk, but Anthony rushed in just as Mr. Connor was starting the class day's lesson was the furthest thing from Megan's mind, as she continued to look across the class at Anthony. But if he ever turned around to see her, she hadn't noticed it, and when the bell rang at the end of class, she sat frozen in her seat, ready to talk. He got up, flashed her a quick, forced smile, and left. She was suddenly struck by a pang of nausea. Why had he not come to talk to her? Had she somehow heard him? As the rest of the class filed out, it became clear to her that maybe it was not Anthony who needed someone to talk to. It was her. Just before the bell rang to end sixth period, her name was called again over the PA, and she walked quickly to the office, dreading the message that had been left for her. Preparing herself for the worst, she breathed a sigh of relief to find that the message was from Vicky, calling to tell her that Rom would pick up Sam, freeing Megan from her usual responsibility for the afternoon. Feeling grateful for being released from her duties, Megan exited the doors of senior lobby, followed the sidewalk around the gym, and then walked up the street to the hospital. She felt sure that in the 18 or so hours since she had last seen him, there would have been some progress in Phil's condition. As she walked through the parking lot of the Episcopal Church toward the hospital, she daydreamed that Phil would be alert, watching television or sitting up in bed reading a newspaper. Crossing Trinity Drive, she scolded herself for letting her imagination run wild and felt foolish for getting her own hopes up. Vicky would have told me if he had woken up, she thought. When she arrived at the ICU, she was greeted by a tired-looking Vicky, sitting at the nurse's station, working on paperwork. Vicky invited her back behind the counter, and Megan sat in an office chair next to Vicky's work area. How is he, Megan asked, bracing herself. No real change from last night, I'm afraid, Vicky replied, flipping through sheets of paper and making quick notations on each. I mean, the incisions are looking good, and there doesn't seem to be any signs of infection, so that's good. Megan was disappointed, but not surprised. Do you think he'll wake up soon? There's just no way to tell, Megan. He needs to heal, and his body will let him wake up when it's good and ready. Closing the folder she had been working on, Vicky turned and faced Megan with a concerned, almost stern look on her face. Megan, did you know that Susan came to visit Phil last night? Megan was thrown off by the almost accusatory tone of the question. Yeah, she replied hesitantly. She and Anthony came in right when I was leaving. What exactly have you told Anthony? I haven't told him anything. Megan felt a mixture of anxiety and anger rising in her throat. I mean, I know he's Phil's son, but I know Phil doesn't want him to know, and I I would never tell his secrets, Vicky. I wouldn't. Megan kept her voice low, but was fighting emotion at the insinuation being made. I just know you two are close. Megan flopped back into the chair, interrupting Vicky with a pointed sigh. I don't know if we are or not, she half-heartedly replied. They came in last night, and I was still in shock from everything that happened, and then Charlie and I just left, and Anthony... Well, he didn't even talk to me at school today. I haven't spoken to him since before Phil's heart attack. Vicky looked pensive for a moment, and her expression softened. It looked like he was going to visit Susan when he collapsed, she said, half to Megan and half to herself but it's so unlike Phil. Do you have any idea why he would have done that? Megan's heart was in her throat. It's because I told him to, she responded, looking down. Vicky responded with a look that was a mixture of confusion and shock. She said nothing, so Megan told her about Anthony's surprise visit to the house and Phil's reaction. She told him about Phil's monthly checks. She told her about the conversation between her and Phil after Anthony's visit, and how much Phil said he had missed Susan, and about Megan's urging Phil to go see her. Vicky seemed to understand. So she knows it's him who's sending the money? Yeah, Megan replied. I don't know how she figured it out, except, well, Rom told me how people from your old life can recognize you, like, a little. Do you think it's that? Could be, I guess, Vicky replied thoughtfully. But then she had never seen him until she came to the hospital, right? Maybe she saw him when the ambulance picked him up. Yeah, maybe, she answered. Vicky looked as though she might say something else, but a nurse, pushing a cart of equipment, called her from another corner of the station. Megan walked across the hallway to Phil's room and pushed open the slightly ajar door. Phil was in the same position he had been the night before, the machines continuing their rhythmic patrol beside him. In contrast to Phil's stillness, the room looked as though it had been lovingly tended to. The flowers Susan had been clutching in her hand were sitting in a vase on the counter, and a quiet radio was playing Wonderful Christmas Time. Megan sat in the chair and looked at Phil, willing him to wake up. She had hoped for at least some change, but the reality of the situation began to settle in around her. What if it's years, she thought? What if it's never? The injustice of it, that this poor man would never get to speak to the woman he loved for so long it seemed like a horrible Greek tragedy. The jangling of keys and the clip-clop of heeled shoes coming down the hallway caught her attention, and she listened as the sound drew closer and closer, stopping at the door. She turned around to see Linda peeking into the room. She saw Phil first and reacted with a small gasp, muttering something quietly to herself. Her eyes then met Megan's. Oh, hee-haw, ha, is she doing? Megan had assumed that Linda knew about the coma, so she repeated Vicky's report. No change since yesterday, but his wounds are healing up. Linda looked at Phil and somberly shook her head. She was carrying a vase of flowers that she sat down beside Susan's, which appeared withered and pale in comparison. And how are you doing, Megan? Linda walked over to Megan. This must be very hard on you. Oh, well, it's pretty hard on all of us, I guess, Megan responded suspiciously where is sam linda looked around the room is he here with you no he's at the house rom picked him up from school and he's watching him this afternoon linda looked back at megan with a look of incredulity rom is yeah hi ay ya. linda muttered softly to herself megan would you like a ride home i can drive you megan felt a little affronted at this obvious slight to rom whom she might have felt the same way about a month ago but who now seemed to be a lot more human Uh, it's okay, I'm fine, really. Linda was quiet for a moment, and Megan could tell she was trying to think of another way to convince Megan to go back to the house. Megan decided to stand her ground. It was almost as if Linda silently understood. She dropped the subject, offered some forced small talk about the weather, and hurried off at the earliest opportunity. Megan wondered if she was heading to the house, and briefly entertained the idea of calling Rom to warn him, before deciding that she was happier not being involved. She had found the room, with the gentle rhythmic competition between the quiet Christmas carols playing on the radio and the continuous pulses of Phil's machines, a perfect place to catch up on homework, and had just finished her trigonometry homework to turn in the next day. She opened her small planner to see if she was forgetting anything when she noticed the date. November 29th. She couldn't believe, after being in school all day and writing the date on innumerable assignments and notebook pages, that she hadn't even thought about it until now it had been one year. The ladder at the western tower rose ten feet or so up from the ground to the deck of the bridge, which afforded a bird's-eye view of the surrounding forest. There was a strange peace at the top, a quiet that seemed to have more to do with the cloudless twilight sky than the distance from the traffic on Diamond Drive. Megan thought about stopping there, perching in the relative seclusion of the tower as she had done many times before, but her feet led her out toward the middle. She had crossed so many times to get downtown that the significance of the place had almost begun to wear off. Coming to the bridge for the bridge itself, rather than the shortcut it afforded to downtown, seemed strange and perhaps a little silly. But it had been a year ago that she and Greg climbed the ladder and walked out to the middle to stare death in the face. Thinking back about it now, it seemed to her like two people she barely knew. Greg was someone else now, or at least Megan had begun to come to terms with the fact that he had never really been the person that she had wanted him to be. And that girl, that immature girl who had so little regard for life, so little understanding of death, where was she now? Megan found the place where she and Greg had stopped, where they had climbed over the cables. It was easy to find. She had chosen to jump from the exact center of the bridge where the horizontal guy wires that ran in wide parabolas along either side of the bridge were closest to the middle. She leaned over and looked down to the bottom of the canyon floor, the place where she had expected the rescuers to find their broken and lifeless bodies, the horizon they would never reach, though for two very different reasons. She stood for several minutes, trying to clear her mind and be in the quiet moment. But that old nagging thought began tugging at her, and at last, as if in a perverse reverence to the hallowed spot, she let her resistance down long enough to answer it. What if I jumped right now? Phil would be at Howard's, eating warmed-up leftovers and watching television from the dining room table. Susan and Anthony would be none the wiser, happy and comfortable in their well-cared-for ignorance. Ram and her mother would be happy, enjoying all the tender excitement of a new relationship. Howard and Vicki would have one less teenager to stress over, and Sam, well, at least Sam would have his own room. She sat down on the deck of the bridge her feet dangling from the sides, and watched the sky above the play lot across the way as, one by one, the faint stars slipped into view before her eyes. She had gotten so lost in the silence of the canyon that she didn't notice the sound of oncoming footsteps until they were ten feet away. Charlie sat down beside her without saying anything. She felt a little embarrassed, exposed in this strange communion with her own past. More than that, though, it irritated her that she was so predictable that he knew right where to find her. And even worse, she couldn't hold back the emotions she felt as she saw herself through his eyes, knowing that her runny nose and halting breaths were giving them away. "'Hey, it's okay,' he whispered, putting his arm around her shoulder. She turned, buried her face in the cool fabric of his windbreaker, and cried. "'What if he doesn't wake up?' she asked him, after several minutes of trying to regain enough composure to speak. "'Charlie, what if I killed him?' Charlie took a breath and turned to her with a serious look on his face. Megan, Phil is an adult. You didn't make him do anything he didn't want to do. But what if I put the idea into his head? So what if you did? Even if he was only going because you told him to, odds are him having a heart attack has nothing to do with it. It probably would have happened if he was at work or at home in bed. It just seems like... Megan, for as long as I've known you, you've always had a level head about this stuff. What if this, he motioned to the invisible veil beneath them, what if it's just a strange fold in the universe? Just a random, freakish thing. It's so easy to attribute it to destiny, to fate, to an angry god. But last night, you said, I know, I know. But I went home and I thought about it last night, and I decided I could live in fear of it, or I could do something about it. Phil did something about it, and look where he is now. Yeah, replied Charlie with a sparkle in his eye and a faint smirk stealing across his face. And you know who's at the hospital right now, waiting for him to wake up? Susan, Megan said quietly. Charlie nodded. And one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to wake up, and the love of his life is going to be sitting there smiling at him, and the risk he took is going to be totally worth it, or he's going to die and never get to be with her, Megan protested. Yeah, but as opposed to what? Stay alive and never get to be with her? You know what I think? I think he knew the risk of going to see Susan. He might even figure this was going to happen, but he also realized that the alternative was waiting around for, well, for what? Megan sat silent for a minute, looking down at the trees below, being enshrouded in the glowing darkness. Wiping the corner of her eye on the cuff of her sweatshirt, she looked up over the edge of the mesa across the way to the now starry sky. We've all been doing the same thing as Phil was doing, you know, Charlie continued. We're all just suspended in our own comfort zones. We're caught between life and death and we're too afraid to choose one or the other. Megan breathed in the abyss below and realized that Charlie was right. Where she had been so cavalier a year ago, the thought of jumping now, actually going through with it, pushing off and feeling the emptiness all around her was something she would only do in the safety of her own imagination. But it wasn't the thought of ending it all in the forest below that frightened her. It was the idea of awakening, unharmed, in the clearing on the other side that she found terrifying. They sat in silence together for a while longer, the first and faintest chills of winter beginning to bite at Megan's cheek. So you said you wanted to do something about it, Megan said treading as carefully as possible, hoping he would pick up the hint without her finishing the sentence. She turned toward him, but had trouble reading his expression in the darkness. I'll talk to her, Charlie responded, understanding her meaning as usual. He remained facing the silent canyon ahead. I'll do it if you do too. If I do, if you let Anthony in. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Be yourself with him, Tell him whatever it is you want so badly to tell him. Let him actually come into your life instead of just hanging around in the doorway. Megan sighed quietly. I don't know if he even wants to, Charlie. Why not? It's just he hasn't talked to me since they came to the hospital last night. Charlie let out a tiny chuckle. It's been one day. Yeah, but when he saw me in biology... Megan, it's been one day. Plus, he's a guy. I'm just saying, he seemed like he was avoiding me. Did you try talking to him? Megan could feel Charlie seeing right through her hesitation to respond. Megan, you're afraid. It's okay, I have been too. Charlie interrupted himself as Megan readied her objection. We've all been afraid. We jumped once, thinking we knew what would happen, thinking we were in control. Who can blame you for not taking another leap after what happened to you last time? And you, Megan responded quietly, feeling exposed. And Phil, Charlie responded. It's happened to him twice now. If he wakes up, you think he'll take another leap? Megan didn't respond, but she knew the answer. Okay, she responded, after a moment's silence. You promise you'll talk to her? Yeah, he responded. She put her head on his shoulder again, and he put his arm around her as she let out a slow breath and looked up at the stars.